0: Take one John Cleese.
1: Where do you think you're going, Clint? The Guinness Book of Records?
0: Add one punctilious headmaster...
1: I am going to the University of Norwich in the fair county of Norfolk. Right, Norwich. On time. There are we On the left. Right. Blend thoroughly. This is the train for Norwich. Plymouth. Plymouth? That was Norwich on the left. <laughs> And you've one sure recipe
0: for disaster.
1: Taxi! I'll just pull the wing away from the wheel. They're vandalising those phones again. He's showing off his muscles and she's egging him on. Stay down! (laughs) Left! 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 (laughs) Chairman, Mr. Stimson,
0: is here. Clockwise is being in the right place
2: at the right time.
0: This is a historic episode of Uh GoonPod. After nearly 150 episodes, for the first time ever, we are discussing a film which doesn't have a goon connection. Uh, Although John Cleese did win the Evening Standard Peter Sellers Award for comedy for this film. And he was, of course, the announcer in the 1968 Thames TV goon show special, Tales of Men's shirts, of course. Um, But I just thought we'd shake it up and try something a little bit different uh, and talk about a British comedy film, which I am extremely fond of and have uh, probably seen it, God knows, a dozen times, maybe more over the years. Uh, And I wanted to invite back a friend of the show, returning guest and someone who I know will have a lot to say about this film. And I think it's possibly only the second time he's seen it for this recording. Chris Diamond. Hi, Chris.
2: Hello, how are you doing? Nice to be back. Yeah, not too bad. It's good to be back. Good with all you wonderful people.
0: Good, good. Because last time you were on, I think it was talking. We were talking to Nick Emery about his his dad.
2: Yeah, yeah, that was fantastic. Yeah, that was so good.
0: Yeah. So, um, so Chris, we, have I mentioned the, the the film we're talking about? I don't think I have. Um, Nineteen eighty six,
2: clockwise. Yeah. Clockwise, yeah. So, as you say, I had uh, I saw it in the pictures mm. and I enjoyed it. I remember enjoying it very much. And I didn't see it again <laughs> until you suggested we talk about it. So it was interesting to see it after what's that, thirty seven years?
0: God That surprises me though. Why why yeah, why did you leave it so long basically?
2: Well it's not like I mean it wasn't a conscious decision to uh, To leave it till like I'm fifty or something, mm. I, I just uh, it's just something that never cropped up. It's it's a funny thing. It's not one of those films that is ever included in sort of British films of the eighties, you know, because it's not a handmade film, so it doesn't get included in all of that sort of canon. Uh, and, and maybe John, maybe I don't know. John Cleese is just sort of sort of so out of favour mm-hmm. uh, in the mainstream now probably quite rightly, that uh, it just it seemed to slip by. So it's not something I don't remember it ever being on telly very much. I'm sure it was. Uh, and if I did watch it when it was on telly, I don't remember watching it. I certainly it's not amongst my archive of uh, films that I taped off the telly yeah. uh, in the cupboard, uh, which includes some really bizarre things that I don't know why I taped, but it's not one of them. Mm. So yeah, it's just... Uh, it's just not one of those, it's just not one of those films. Uh, you know, like, I don't know, uh, A Private Function or Time Bandits, or, you know, or With Nail and I or something, you know, those sort of, Yeah. as I say, British comedy films of the, of the 80s that get props or get musicals made out of them. Nobody suggested making a Clockwise musical. But, but don't you think, I mean, it, it
0: it was the it was the experience of making this film, which I think John Cleese said was when he read the script, it was he he considered it near perfect, and it is very well put together because it's Michael Frayn. Michael Frayn's a wonderful writer, playwright. Um, I, I think it, it didn't do great in America, and it, John Cleese decided then that he wanted to make a big, mainstream yeah. film that would make money in in the states which, of course, resulted in Fish Court mm-hmm. which I know you're not that keen yeah. on.
2: No, I'm not. And, and he sort of famously didn't he, go to uh, uh, screenwriting classes. So I'm sure in, like, film 89 or something, there were pictures, of, you know, a voiceover of Tom Brook with, uh, mm. with John Cleese in a classroom full of people listening, learning how to like set out a screenplay and so forth. <laughs> because I think the problem that he expounded at the time was structure. Of course, Michael Freyne is not somebody who has any problems structuring a script, mm. whereas I think he did, uh, or or certainly that's what he said he did, he had a problem with. And it's interesting, this script, this particular script, which is, the script is not the problem with this film as I rewatched it. The problem is the direction. <laughs> Do you think, uh, right. Yeah, yeah, so we'll get to that, I think, as we go through it. But... Uh, and at the end of it, which, again, we're, sorry, we'll we get to all of this then, but, but at the end of it is is very Michael Frayne. Uh, you can you can see it's, it's dripping in Frayne, where a lot of the earlier parts of it, you can see why it wouldn't do well in America, because it would be a total bafflement mm. uh, to the, the way the school was running, why it would matter, you know, various different things. It's just a funny, it, it's a bit of an oddity. But there was that period where there were films getting made uh, you he know, like wilt.
0: Oh no, yeah.
2: You know, yeah, yeah they're, they're all those sort of yeah. you know ad you know uh, uh, adaptations of plays that I suppose was almost the equivalent of the adaptations of uh, uh, sitcoms <laughs> yes <laughs> that, that were used to get made before but that brings me to my sort of uh, overarching and this is the more I watched it the more I realized that it's uh, he's just playing Basil Faulty. He's still doing Faulty. That's what I think is so interesting about his performance. Whereas by the time he does Fish Called wonder, I think he's kind of he's still doing the sort of wackiness and all that. But this is Basil; it's just Basil. Well, Farking.
0: the character in Wonder, what's he called? Archie Leach, I think.
2: Um, Archie Leach, yeah, Gary Charles, oh, real name.
0: Yeah, that's right. He's a bit, um, he's a bit wet. He's not. Yeah. he's he's got. He's a bit spineless, really. Um,
2: yeah, and then the point I supposing that the Called wonder is that Jamie Lee Cutter's character sort of draws him out, makes him more adventurous, and he has that. Famous scene where he's dancing about stripping himself yeah. off, getting speaking in Russian or something. Yeah, yeah. It's not a film that. <laughs> I think very great Funny
0: enough, um, I watched for the first time ever mm-hmm. um, a couple of weeks ago. I watched *Fierce Creatures*.
2: Oh, did you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you seen that? Well, <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> *Fierce creatures saving Grace being Roddy Corbett, but uh, that's a bad film. That's a properly bad film
0: well it yes it is but i was i was preparing myself for a worse film than i feel it was anyway it's, it's not a great well, yeah, not a great I've film th- but it not the car crash that it you know it's, the legend has grown up over the years that it's absolutely abysmal
2: oh no it's not that bad it's just not good it's not unwatchable mm. you know it's not like splitting hairs
0: <laughs> oh, God, no. um but no like say about so uh Cleese in Clockwise plays Brian Stimpson, and yes. yeah, I was thinking, yeah, absolutely. You're thinking that this is just faulty, yeah. with one exception. Uh-huh. I feel the relationship because Stimpson is the headmaster of a
2: comprehensive, yes. uh,
0: in, uh, somewhere in London, I think. And
2: um, no, I think it's supposed. Well, is it supposed to be in London? Well, I don't know. It's got this. Sure. It's got that. It's got that sort of. You know, like old-fashioned. It's full of accents you don't hear anymore. Yeah, kids that don't talk <laughs> like yeah. they just talk like they're English. They, they could be anywhere, apart from like Yorkshire. They they could be like anywhere from the south of England up to the middle bit. Could be anywhere. It could be the East Midlands somewhere. Yeah, he's... it's a, it's hundred and sixty or hundred and eighty miles or whatever from Norwich. I you know that. Yeah.
0: So so Stimpson is the headmaster now. He's... If it was if he was just playing it as faulty, he would have nothing mm. but contempt for his charges for the for the pupils. Mm. Um, Whereas Stimson does seem to be, even though he's quite anal <laughs> about timekeeping and whatnot, um, and he, he you can tell that he's quite strict in many areas, he also seems to have a certain way with the people, he's got a certain affinity. Um, yeah. Because when he's talking about, you know, he, he right at the beginning of the assembly, he's talking about the fact that he's been... You know he's made he's making history by going to this headmaster's conference and he will take yeah. up the chair and this is the first time that the headmaster of comprehensive has yes. ever achieved this and he's... in the
2: in the history of the world. Yeah,
0: <laughs> but he's very inclusive because he's saying we achieved this. Mm.
2: But you see, you see, I think that's part. I think that's uh, uh, indicative of the, or perhaps what might have led to it not being a better film. I think there's you can sense a real tension. Between Michael Frayn's script and John Cleese's uh, performance, where he's trying to be, it's almost like Frayn is trying to stop him being faulty.
0: Yeah, never thought um,
2: of that, yeah. W- whereas Cleese, just at that stage in his career, can't just can't help it because he's just not moved past it. And perhaps that's the only way he knows how to play it. I don't know. Well, but I mean, the, certainly that's how it that's how it comes across to me.
0: There's one very specific bit in this film which is just pure Faulty.
2: Oh yeah, which is yeah. him <laughs> kicking the car. In kicking anger. the car, which, which is almost exactly the same car. Yes. <laughs> was it? Blue. So it's because
0: the car in Faulty Towers wasn't wasn't Austin, was it? And I think that.
2: Yeah, it's, I think it's the same as like a princess or something. I don't
0: know much about cars, but um, I mean either. in Faulty Towers, he's got the he's got the branch and he's just whacking the car, and then in this, he kicks it and falls into the mud. Um,
2: yeah, I mean it's a, it's a straightforward. Uh, and you can almost you can almost hear them in the uh, you know script conferences saying, "If we've got John Cleese or John Cleese said, if 'If you've got me, this is what I do. This is what I should be doing.'" <laughs> Where I and I think if Frain is uh, the, the script and frame script is trying because there has to be a reason. Uh, and this this brings me, I should say, to my notes. Yes, hurriedly written notes are actually written, actually written on paper with a pen. Well done. Which means I can't. Which means I can't read them
0: this afternoon as well because you you left it till this afternoon to.
2: No, no, I watched that. I watched it uh, uh, when you suggested this a wee while ago, and I watched that again this afternoon. Oh, to the the film. oh very good. So, w- the, I tell you the first thing that strikes you in this film, <laughs> which is the terrible music. The music is terrible. It's desperately mediocre soundtrack. And in fact, I even said to Craig, you Craig Williams of the uh, commentaries yeah, fame, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had said to me before I watched it, "You'll recognise the like, bad the music is. And I even said, "Oh, is it? It's going to be like, you know, saxophones denoting hurriedness." Yeah, and it's literally exactly what happens. With a rushing away at one point, the saxophone's going, so yeah. the music doesn't help. Yeah, but it. yeah, but
0: in 1986, watching it, that wouldn't have been dated. That would have been highly contemporary.
2: You'd have been fine with that. But the problem is that it's it goes to another part of the the another little issue with the film, which is that there's no way. This is what I say about the direction. In no way is this film cinematic. It's a TV movie. I, it's filmed yeah. as a TV movie by a TV director. Christopher Monaghan was a TV director. Yeah,
0: tell me about him because I, I meant to do some more research on him. What, what's his background? I
2: mean, it's it's like well, it's and literally television. Right. I, I mean, he's done the odd. It literally. I mean, when I say TV movie, I mean that is the only. That's as close as he got to films, as far as I could see. Mm. But apart from that, it's episodic television,
0: right?
2: And which is fine. I'm, I'm not decrying. I'm not criticizing the the. the you, but but it's a very different thing, you know. Directing a film, which means that it it would this would have been like a a perfectly fine, uh, you know, like screen one, you know, like yeah. I don't know, like Pat Pat and Margaret or something. Yeah. Uh, but it's not. It's not a film to that that suggests that you need to see it in the pictures and the music's is adequate to that, whereas a nice soundtrack would have would have lifted it a bit more. Yeah. But that's the way. Uh, I'm sure there were various uh, budgetary reasons and so forth. So, uh, yeah, a little, few little uh, bits and pieces that are that very much data it of its time. For example, the premise of a comprehensive doing well as an immediate like, basis for a, a plot, uh, is, is interesting because it's you know part of the part of the accepted truisms of the time that comprehensives were terrible mm. and, the, and you know therefore how could they you know they're doing well and being run well and everybody being fine and uh, being recognised was you're already you're, you're drawing on the audience's uh, preconceptions because that's what everybody thought everybody did think that yeah but this is what what you get what this is where we get to your point. About uh, Stimson as a successful head teacher, because it kind of suggests that he's just because he's organised and shouts at people and has, you know, like a little, he has his little intercom, a tanoi thing that he shouts at people in the in the uh, in the playground to tell them they're supposed to be at a certain class or whatever, and he has his mantra of nine twenty, which is. The time for executions, where you go to the headmaster's <laughs> study and so forth. Uh, but I mean, is that really enough <laughs> to suggest a school that's become so successful? It doesn't really convey very much of of how well run it is. No, but we have or, to or assu- why or why he's exceptional.
0: We have to assume that he he's very good at he's very good at his job. Otherwise, why would he have been awarded this?
2: Well, yeah, but that's the point, is that I think the point is they tell you that he's very good at his job. They don't really spend very long demonstrating it. But, you know, obviously you don't have a lot of time. And one of the great benefits of it is that it's like, you know, an hour and a half long, which is is an immediate bonus in my eyes nowadays. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, one of the other things I've written down is that... uh, the, the the way it's portrayed you know the way that the school is portrayed or just schools at the time uh, compared to now you know you might as well be it might as well be in like you know Tom Brown school days it's just a, even though it's what, 37 years ago it's a it's a light age away from mm. from nowadays you know the, the the way people the way the kids behave the way they talk the way they dress, you know, it's just another world, and I think that's one of the things that I find quite endearing about well,
0: it. Well, you notice in the assembly at the beginning, the boys yeah. and the girls are in completely separated.
2: Yes, yeah. <laughs> they've got their little, still got the boys and girls sort of entrances, yeah, and, and things. Uh, but you know, it's just the idea of of like uh, the headmaster shouts nine twenty, so you turn up at nine twenty. <laughs> Nobody's talking back, nobody's causing any trouble, nobody's everybody's wearing their uniform, albeit, you know, shut out and hair a bit ruffled and tired, tiny be knots and all that sort of thing. And of course there's it's it's uh Well the other,
0: the other thing that occurred to me watching it, sorry Chris, but you know, go so go. he's got this he's almost in like this 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 comprehensive school equivalent of uh, uh air traffic control tower where he's yeah. where he's <laughs> surveying the whole of the School, yard. yeah, the
2: whole of his domain, <laughs> and like you say,
0: with his with his tannoy or
2: intercom. yeah, yeah,
0: and the kids presumably know that you know that they will have experienced this every single day, sure, and yet it doesn't stop kids beating up a lad <laughs> or reading a grumble yeah. magazine, yeah, or whatever. <laughs> yep, <Yeah. laughs> you'd expect it to be completely deserted, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: just do it around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, a bit fair is, you know, it's a. That's the way it goes. Um, and then they have the assembly. So the premise then is set up that he's obsessive about punctuality. Yeah. So at nine o'clock, exactly everybody's standing in the assembly. And in he comes, and he gives them his, as you say, his little speech, which is, which is I think is where Frayn's script overtakes the performance. Because he has to say, we've done this. You know, we've made this happen and in your mind you're thinking well is this him just saying is that an excuse for his own ego you know is he just uh, is he really talking about himself but you feel that he does actually mean it
1: right now i've got some sad news for you all i'm going to be away today i knew you'd be heartbroken <laughs> right now where am i going i am going to the university of norwich in the fair county of norfolk And Why am I going there? I am going there because that's where this year's annual meeting of the Headmasters Conference is being held, and you can all feel rather proud of yourselves. Because they don't let just any old headmasters into the Headmasters Conference. Far from it. The Headmasters Conference is the organisation to which all the great independent schools of this country belong. Places like Eton and Harrow, Winchester and Westminster. The fee-paying schools. The posh schools that we all look down our noses at. And that we'd all send our children to, if only we'd got the money. (laughs) They don't usually let in, headmasters of common or garden comprehensive schools, of schools like this one. So, why, you ask, why did they let me in? Well, I'll tell you why they let me in, because you and I, all of us together, have made Thomas Tompion. One of the best schools in the country. <laughs> right then, but today.
2: Nine twenty, Linda. He knows that, and, and you know, he knows the names of all the pupils because he's able to pick them out, and and, and you know all that sort of thing. Well, he's so... quite—he's
0: quite self-deprecating as well, which, unlike Faulty, he's not—he's yeah. not a terrible person. In fact, he doesn't come across—I don't think—in the whole film really as a terrible. He's not a martinet. He's not a. He's like a. I wrote in my notes. He's a. He's a slightly less Tory version of Basil Faulty in many ways. I feel. Yes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He's. He's sort of. Uh, he's sort of less psychologically damaged than Faulty.
1: Because
2: mm. Faulty is a desperate man, who's complete feels completely trapped, you know, with his awful wife, <laughs> his idiot staff, his terrible uh, customers, and and that's a situation he hates. And and he's just a tormented man. Stimson is obviously very happy. He has a successful school, he's good at his job, everybody's doing their bit, you know, but, you know, he's not challenged in any way. And now he's being recognized in a really, you know, grand way. So he's perfectly happy. Mm. Uh, but his problem is punctuality. And of course, as it develops, you find out from Penelope Wilton's characters, we'll get to that, that it used he used to be desperately bad at being punctual, hence his uh, OCD about punctuality now the, pro- the plot then be- basically begins when uh, a very junior looking <laughs> very f- nascent and who's his who plays his wife comes to give him a lift to the station uh, to go to the conference which is in the far-flung outpost of Norwich, which I suppose for the audience is supposed to, maybe be supposed to feel like it's quite distant. I don't know. The exotic, the exotic. The exo- exotic, flung. sort of. Yeah, like very, very, like on the, on the far reaches of the kingdom. <laughs> you know, not a, basically not an easy place to get to from wherever they are. But then things progress, and then that's when I start to really enjoy it because there are so many great, uh, things for somebody like me to enjoy. Did
0: you notice, the- did you notice, though, when she picks him or she, she arrives to take him to the station?
2: Yeah. And it was it was on,
0: upon me watching this again for the purpose of this, it's the first time I picked up on it. Uh uh-huh. Just in terms of a dated thing, she gets into the car, which I think is a Ford Cortina.
2: It's just a lovely Cortina, yeah.
0: And she reaches over and unlocks the passenger side door so he can get in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no such thing as central locking in those days
2: no, no, you'd have had to pay a lot more for that I don't think you would have got it in a Cortina you might want it in a Granada yeah. we had a Cortina, we had a black Cortina Ooh. oh no, yeah, it was cool as you know, actually one night and we had a driveway and everything yeah one morning when we were getting taken to school with a Cortina eh, the police arrived and they eh, started to question my mom and dad. Because the car had been taken away during the night and used in a robbery, and then brought back and parked. Uh, Wow.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Very considerate Uh, uh, considerate robbers.
2: Just one of those things. Quite clever, really. Anyway, no, nice week Cortina. And uh, she drives away.
0: Yeah, okay sorry again this is one of those films which would not exist if mobile
2: phones existed then yes no that's what i was going to get to because so they go to the station uh she drops them off after now you get the sense that the marriage is not terribly happy mm. she's a bit annoyed she gets you know she's getting sort of taken for granted but that's never really developed that much uh but it's it's necessary for something so she takes to the station and then there's a bit of cross talk with uh, oh, which his name the actor John Barden, Barden, and it's that sort of and again this is very Michael Freeman, that sort of left um, platforms to the left right left on the left right yeah right right and he goes to the wrong one now as you say nowadays the train would leave and he would just phone somebody mm-hmm. you know pick me up at the station or whatever, yep. you know, come and get me. And that would be it. <laughs> story. Uh, so uh, story. So it must be very difficult now to write uh, farces based on misunderstandings with when everybody's got mobile, but you know, this is probably just as well, Ray Cooney's dead. So they... <laughs>
0: <laughs> do you think that... So obviously Stimson gets on the wrong
2: train. Yes, goes the train to Plymouth. Yeah, and because... Uh, because as, of... as, he is, as he is informed by the man who plays the bed salesman in the Unso to Bed episode, Step to Insight.
0: I didn't pick up on that, okay. So Stimpson gets on the wrong train, and for someone who's obviously, we're, we're, we're led to believe, is so exact in everything he does, yeah, it seems slightly sloppy, but maybe that's why. Maybe it's, it's in his past, because we know that he was <clears throat> always late when he was young, a younger man.
2: Well, we find that out from Penelope Wilton's character in a bit. Yeah. So that's a bit of a sort of a revelation, and you're meant to think, I think you're supposed to be able to think, ah, that's the sort of key to the character, is that he's so obsessive now about his timekeeping because he used to be so terrible at it. And perhaps when you when you find that out, you, you, you come to realise that uh, his real character is... Uh, desperately unpunctual and disorganized yeah. and yeah. the rest of it is just a veneer now this is again when I get to say about the contention between frame and faulty because Michael F- it with a, maybe a different actor that wasn't trying to impose quite su- a particular performance on it maybe more of that would have come out maybe a different director would have been able to bring more of it out so it doesn't really come it doesn't really come to a boil that uh that 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 sense of uh, of the duality of them. But it's yeah, I mean the least it's there. Yeah. And then, of course then he leaves his speech on as well. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a nice bit with twice he's going speech speech. <laughs> <laughs> and John Bond says that what's make a speech <laughs> I'm
0: accustomed as I am to public. But person. the
2: uh, yeah but the uh, you know but but it's drip- like I say it's dripping his stuff out of the station looks amazing. Uh the mother load comes later when they go to a shell garage, which is uh, fantastic. But anyway, <laughs> even in fact, of course, the wife is then gone. Uh, Alice said when Mrs. Stimson is gone to, it's mentioned you know she's going to go and take some old ladies around for a run. It's sort of obviously something that she does. She wanted to come to the conference, but there's no wives allowed.
0: <laughs> Can I just say when I think of this, That was film, a different time. Yeah, when I think of this film. Yep. Two things enter my head. Hmm. One is the the line, "This is a historic," <laughs> line, as as referenced in my little introduction. The, the other is sherry glasses.
2: Oh yes, you the hex have just constantly gone on about sherry glasses. <laughs> Actually, I was going to come to the point that the, what I think is is, is one of the strengths of the film is it's at the fag end of that period <laughs> uh, of films made here where almost everybody is a is a worthy actor. You know, everybody is great. Everybody's a proper actor. Every tiny part. Yep. And one of the best parts, or one of the best uh, people, in it, the three people in it, are the three old ladies. Uh, especially Joan Hickson and Anna Ray, uh, who, who are fantastic. But Joan Hickson, who is just a fantastic uh, performance of that, uh, you know, that sort of, uh, she's obviously supposed to have some kind of dementia, which you wouldn't have been referenced at the time, just batty old lady. Now it would be sort of a tragic decline into, yes. you know, the, into the twilight dusk of our years. Then it's just a batty old woman with a incredible sort of purple rings <laughs> fright hair, and she she just stands and keeps her going on a bit I mean, she went to Mallorca. Why would you need sherry glasses in peacock? <laughs> Through the door, now the liqueur
1: glasses came to me from my mother. I'm star- so naturally Jeannie's old had her eye on there. So She said, "Ellie, it's no use letting Lou have the sherry glasses." She won't appreciate them. She won't polish them. know what she's like. So I said, well, all right. I've no desire to burden people with possessions they don't want. I said, that's not my intention and never has been. So naturally, she thought if the sherry glasses aren't going to loom, they'd be going to But I thought to myself, wait a moment, Ellie. Keep moving, Mrs. Trellis. Nearly there. Hold on a moment, Ellie, I thought. Are we going to the hospital? We're at the hospital, Mrs. Wheel. We're just going to have a little look at the country. How lovely. Oh, isn't that lovely? Not so fast, Ellie, I thought. If Pam gets them, she'll give them to Babs. We all know
2: what she'll do. Aren't we lucky? And actually, I wasn't sure of the time of this, but so Clockwise is 1986, and Hickson's first Marple is eighty seven, I think, or eighty six, or eighty seven. Ah, okay. Right. So this would have been, you know, just at the very end of her days, as a jobbing character actress.
0: And of course, she was best known, I suppose. Yeah, she was never a star prior to Marple, really, was she? But she was. Nope, she was no, known no, for no. for playing kind of busybody landlady types, wasn't she? More or less, the next door neighbor? Yeah, but
2: like, Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, nosy landladies. You know. Uh, na- you know, uh, gossipy old women.
0: Yeah,
2: uh, you know, like in heavens above, for example, whenever the Reverend Smallwood goes to her door, she's, you know, I can't talk just now because remember you know, I've got the washing machine on. Yes, that's right. Uh, she's in an an epic episode of Crown Court, right? Uh, where she's the accused, uh, and she's accused of poisoning her neighbour's dog. Uh, and the her, per- I mean, I'm not being facetious. Her performance in it is absolutely incredible and she must have thought by the time that she got to uh to do this that you know well that's just about it and little did she know that she was just about to become a world famous star yeah yeah, which she would be until she died
0: and yeah and you and you mentioned and and way who plays the Wei, sweet sorry. little old yes
2: yeah, and, and, and of course she's also in faulty towers she's one of the uh She's the major twitchin's wife. Oh, too small and dry. I... Yes, yeah. <laughs> so I would say that. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, oh, I'm gonna be sick. I'll give you another one. No <laughs> Well there's a few
0: there's a few faces from Fawlty Tales in this. You've got Pat Keene, who's Laura's mum.
2: Yes. Yeah. Who was absolutely. who
0: was in the anniversary episode.
2: Yeah, I, but she's also uh, she's in the episode with, uh, oh, what do you call it? Uh, I'm not satisfied. you know the... Oh, Mrs Richards. No, no, that's Joan Sutherland. That's not Joan. Uh, that's Joan Sanderson. Uh, Sanderson, not Joan Sutherland. That would have been a laugh. <laughs> I'm not satisfied. <laughs> no. uh, yeah, Joan Sanderson. No, I'm thinking of the one. You know when he's doing the... Uh, uh, the Waldorf salad. Oh, right. And Bruce Boy is, Bo is saying... This is the crummyest hotel, yes, and all the guests end up coming down. And she's the mother, the uh, the mum, in this uh, Jeffrey Rogers' wife is. She's got crutches. She says, yeah, "I'm not satisfied. I'm not satisfied <laughs> because well, people like you never are." <laughs> That's
0: right. That's right. But she was not She was also one of Basil's and, and Sybil's friends in the anniversary. Yes. Wasn't yeah, so, yeah. 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 No. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, and of course, Jeffrey Palmer. Of course, is...
2: Jeffrey Palmer. Yes. What still want the sausages? And he's one. And again, one of the funnier. Him and Peter Sellier and. They're, they're just very funny yeah. at the end of it yeah uh but anyway so you know as, as the as the plot progresses it just becomes um I mean there's no point in going through all of it no. but it, it comes a sort of miasma of uh, misunderstandings and it's fast it's and uh, fast, yeah it? yeah It's, it's and, and but there, there are points of it when you think this is just going on too long you know that we don't need to, there was a like, there was this, this particular scene of uh, when when they're in the car and all that, you think, but God, (laughs) why is this lasting so long? Uh, So the pacing of it isn't brilliant. One of the other things I wrote down was a disappointing lack of hijinks in the monastery, which I thought would... I just thought, remembering it particularly, I thought, oh, we're in for all sorts of shenanigans. (laughs) But we really weren't very much... And I thought the joke about the... Because, uh, you know, he thinks that they're Trappists. Yeah. Because Michael Aldridge comes in and he's just smiles and nods <laughs> it's and all that. That's wonderful, yeah. I, and he's very good, Michael Aldridge, yeah. obviously. But I thought the joke that were building up to was that after he left, Michael Aldridge would turn to somebody and say, I wonder what he wanted. <laughs> <laughs> but, of course, he he actually says, oh, no, we speak. And they're thought, oh, that rather gave the key away. Yeah. Uh, and and you couldn't help thinking it was like if I stumbled into that monastery, I'd never leave. It looked amazing.
0: Yeah, okay, but and I understand. So Stimpson has a bath because he's covered in mud.
2: Yes, and his clothes are taken away because they are also covered in mud.
0: Yeah, but it doesn't seem like he's decide. It, it doesn't seem like he's got a plan for what happens next. And he seems oh. he seems quite happy He's in the bath. He's
2: singing. Well, in the scene before that, when he's sitting covered in mud. He has his sort of first moment of self reflection where he's just sort of sitting there and he obviously doesn't think he's going to make it. And they've already, he's already driven away without paying for petrol. Petrol, by the way, four star at 45 pence on litre. Mm, I saw that. I actually went back <clears throat> to check how much it was. Yeah. In the same way that you drive past petrol stations and say, even to yourself, oh, 130. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're just like, oh, 141. Oh, that's bad. Yeah, so he sits and he has this sort of moment of self-reflection with the prior or the abbot, abbot or whatever, the K.P. friar, mm. And uh, and, he's, and he's, he seems quite resigned to, to it all. And you think if, if they hadn't actually... Of course, we've also had an excellent scene with Tony Hagar. Oh,
0: one of the standout scenes, I would...
2: I yeah, would say. he's... He, and actually one of the better directed scenes where they have the hedge up the middle. Yes. And Tony Hager sitting on the tractor and... <laughs> Stimson on the other side of it, You can't see the tractor. <laughs> you
1: going to Norwich? Yes. So, if we can just find a, a, a tractor... What? Shortcut, is it? Lost our way. So, we must quickly find a tractor. Wow. Well, my advice is this. Yes? If you're going this way, yes. find a tractor. A tractor, yes. Stay on the bloody thing all the way to Norik. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'll tell you something else. Yes, thank you. Know what I'm sitting on? A bomb, I hope.
2: All right, my old dear. You look that way, and
1: I look this. And I bet you a jam tart. I find a tractor first.
2: Yeah, again, that's that's quite faulty. Yes, that, than, that is. You know, yeah. yeah, without Stimson being because in the car before he gets out of the car, because they're stuck in the mud, but this time he's picked up Penelope Bolton, and the lass is still there. Uh, he's very reasonable. You know, he seems like, calm down. We reassess our circumstances. You know, we we look at, when, you know, what do we do? We don't panic. And he's all very calm and rational. And when he gets to the, the monastery, he has this sort of moment of... Uh, Acceptance, yeah, you know, like, yeah, acceptance, and and you know, it, and he was saying, and he's saying things like it would have been so nice for the kids, and that's why I mean, when you're supposed to, th- are you supposed to think that he's saying that what he really means is that it would have been so nice for me? Yeah, is it really about the kids? Mm. It's actually about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, it's it's just not brought completely out, you know, but it's there. But of course, it all goes out the window. <laughs> <laughs> because he hears uh, God, I can't remember Laura. her name, that's terrible Laura. La-
0: La- Laura Right, can we just talk about Laura for a moment because yes. think, uh, quite apart from the hair, which was so distracting, <laughs> that hair
2: Well, she looks about like 35 apart well, from I think she nose. was 24, the actress Yeah, all oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, She's and... certainly not th- Sixth form, I believe the English call it Yeah, that's it <laughs> six, six year, as, the, as normal people call it she was. I mean, she was fine. Yeah, she's fine. But she isn't introducing,
0: after all. Yeah, she wasn't in a lot of. Of wasn't in much of note
2: after this. No, she's. Uh, she had a, she's had yeah. a few episodes of things.
0: Sharon Maiden, is the actress. Yeah. Um. Here's the thing, though. So I've yeah. watched this film countless times over the years. Yes. I, I think I first saw it on video when it soon after it was released on video. So it would have been 87 or 88, something like that. Yeah. And I've had it taped over the years. You know, so I've watched it so many times. It was only watching it this time round because I'm t- I'm, uh-huh. I'm paying slightly more attention. Um, hmm. There's a plot point that it completely eluded me and I'd never oh, did actually...
2: Do you mean her affair with the teacher? Yes.
0: <laughs> I had never, until this watch... Connected that she was going out with or had been seeing. Yeah, with Stephen Moore. Stephen Moore's character, Mr. Jolly. Yeah. Because <laughs> it makes sense now, because why was, why was Mr. Jolly travelling exactly. to Norwich?
2: Why he, yeah, why was he travelling to Norwich? Because, because she had phoned. When she said to Stimson she was going to phone her boyfriend from the petrol station, mm. that's who she phoned. But we don't know that. We have to piece it together be- well, no, because well, no, we do know that because he knows that the, that she's going to Norwich.
0: Yeah, but but we don't. It's not explicitly. We don't see him on the other end of the phone when she phones.
2: Oh up. no, 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 no! You're supposed to just piece that. He turns up he at goes, her
0: parents' house. Parents' her, house, house yeah. And yep. he knows that she's going to Norwich, doesn't mm. he? Which yeah. it never occurred to me why. You know, how would he know that?
2: And then Stimson's wife, then Mrs. Stimpson, turns up, mm. and then. That's when because he's she has seen him and Laura at the petrol station, yes. And he thinks they're having an affair? That doesn't really go anywhere. But that's what she thinks. That's why she goes to Norwich. <laughs> She's going to Norwich. The daughter, Laura's going to Norwich, which means Jeffrey Hutchins and and the uh, wife are they going to Norwich? Oh, Jeffrey Hutchins in this. Jeffrey Hutchins who, who doesn't get a single line. But,
0: but he's he's made out to be like this this. Coiled yes, spring, Martinet.
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> sort of denoted by the creaking, the rigidity of his of his leather outfit.
0: Barely suppressed rage, but he just he's completely. <laughs> he's very good at passive.
2: it. Passive. Uh, so they are going to Norwich. She takes the old woman to Norwich, and uh, of course, uh, Laura and Stimson are going to Norwich in her dad's, you know, much treasured. Austin, whatever. 1100 or, like, or whatever, yeah. Uh, yeah, mm. Princess. Uh, and then sort of things go awry.
0: I didn't enjoy... No, I, sorry. No, I enjoy everything about this film, mostly. Yeah. Well, there's nothing that bores me particularly, but I felt that the Penelope Wilton bit yeah, yeah. could have been dispensed with. And I think the, well, o- I- the only reason for, for, for that was so that we had a little bit of a backstory to yes. Stimson. Yeah. Um, and also because obviously the, the film uh, climaxes with various uh, counties, police <laughs> yeah. forces turning yeah. up looking for Stimson <laughs> at the headmaster conference. Now, yeah, I think there's three, three lots yeah, of cops. Yeah, and she's up, been reported as being kidnapped, isn't she?
2: But she's reported by her brother because they stop to make a phone call. He goes full faulty on the phones. <laughs> yeah. Uh, an old deer across the road says to phone the police, and Penelope Wilton, her daughter, says, I'll keep them busy while you phone the police. And, of course, it turns out they were at... She's been in Australia, but she's back, and they were at teacher training college together. Now, that's very, again, very Michael Frayne sort of coincidences, and um, it brings out more of his character. But after that, she's just there to sort of complain it's, there's, there's a total mystery why she does anything he tells her.
0: Well, yeah, because he says, she says, this is a nice car, even though one of the wings
2: is, is, is on the roof. Is on the roof.
0: <laughs> and he says, do you want a test drive
2: or something like that? And she says, yes. Now, why would she, why didn't she just say, well, no, because as she says loudly, she, seconds later, <laughs> I've just put out my lunch. <laughs> <laughs> so, that, you know, that it, it's, it's, there are a couple of times where you think, why are people doing this? Now, I think what you're supposed to believe is, but when it gets to the end, it was much better realised, is that Stimson, has, as a headmaster, has some sort of uh, superpower <laughs> that he manages to get people to do what they're told yeah. because of his timber <laughs> and his, his authority. His bearing. Uh, yeah. his bearing yeah exactly you know so maybe um, i think maybe that's what it's supposed to be because it, it gets people to do things that just makes absolutely no sense the thing that make, does actually make absolutely no sense is the weird sort of suggestion that they're they're in for a threesome in the woods <laughs> <laughs> where he's dressed with the guy in the porsche
0: yeah it's very funny that bit but yeah very
2: but why would he do that <laughs> why, why, why would he do that uh, oh, anyway, so that's how we get because they need him to get suit back, basically, because he's in a he's in a, a he's in a a habit or something, whatever you call it.
0: John Cleese does he have some thing where he likes being semi naked or even fully naked in films? Because he does a lot? Yeah, I mean, you don't you don't know, you only see his upper half in this, but obviously, you know, if the window, if he'd been taller, or the window. Had yeah. been lower down we'd have seen everything.
2: Um, and you see him in his pants.
0: Yeah, and and of course, um, he's you see him fully naked from behind in Fish Called Wanda. Um, yeah, I'm not. I can't remember in Fierce Creatures. I had, think I had my head in my hands during much of that <laughs> film. But um, but he does like to strip off.
2: Well, he's not. He's not a f- backwards at coming forward. Certainly.
0: No. Oh, the other thing about it as well. So Laura's having an affair with Mr. Jolly. Who's, Mr. Jolly is is great, by the way. Stephen Moore is wonderful in this.
2: He's a great actor, Stephen Moore. Um and he has that outfit that is again, they're they're completely reliant or you know that sort of a uh, he's got a knitted tie and he wears corduroy, so he's obviously a woolly, you know, liberal. But he's a geography teacher or something, isn't he? Yeah. Yes, he's yeah. obviously he's <laughs> obviously not uh, Stimson material.
0: Well he's not he's not he's possibly not quite as as left wing as that other teacher
2: at the beginning. Yeah, the one who looks like he's uh, Ricky Thomas, yeah. basically. <laughs>
0: Slay him at the conference, Brian. Tell all those upper-class ponces we're going to hang them from the lamppost by their old-school ties.
1: Right, thank you, Ted.
0: The point I was going to make, so Laura's obviously um, quite comfortable having a relationship with an old, a much older man.
2: Well, he she even says at one point laughingly, I always end up falling in with older men.
0: Yeah. But there's never any suggestion that there's ever going to be anything between her and Stimson. Mm. You know, he he behaves highly appropriately throughout.
2: He does, yeah. There's never any. Yeah, it's, and it's quite interesting that because you've already set up a relationship between a teacher and a student. Yeah. Which, I, you know, would hardly be the basis for nowadays for light comedy. Uh, but she never comes on to Stimson. You you know you're never sort of given the sense that she's she feels that she's anything other than a sort of a uh, accomplice. <laughs> do you not
0: she think seems, there's maybe she seems
2: quite happy to go along with it all?
0: You well, she is. And do you not think you know when when Pat, when um, Penelope Wilton's character is totally uh, fed up, right, And and basically says, "I'm leaving." Yeah, and, she's, and Laura's like, "We can't leave, Mister Stimpson," and she goes running up to the monastery. Do you That's not sure. think there's possibly there may be a little bit of a schoolgirl crush on him, maybe, or some sort of?
2: Well, but I, I think that also, I think that gets back to this sort of a uh, sense that, uh, not terribly well conveyed, of his sort of innate power as headmaster, because she is a pupil. And remember when they first meet, she just the first thing she does is apologise for not being in school. <laughs> yes. You know, I'm very sorry, Mr. It's a free.
0: I'm on a free.
2: I'm on a free. It is not a free. It is a study period. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, one of the things that this film gave me, I'd watched it back again, was a total rush, memory rush of, you know, your, your working out your periods for the day, yeah. you know, your week, your, your plan, which I had somehow stuck away in the back of my not thought of since I left school. Yeah, how, how how did we keep? How did, I can't even remember how we watched it. I think we must have done a chart or something of what what uh, what classes you were in and where you were. Oh, God, yeah, that that took me back. Uh, no, I don't think I don't think you come away with There's a bit you know when she goes up and she sits on the podium with them at the end of the guys. Right. What's that about? That doesn't make any I, sense. It doesn't make any sense. I, 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 it doesn't make any sense. Unless she feels that she's got a relationship with him, and but uh, I, I think by that point the relationship is, as I say, one of sort of accomplice. Mm. Like she's taking care of him, or she's got him t- like she's got him to the place so she deserves to be sitting next to him, because otherwise it doesn't make any sense. It's a very strange choice because she's only there, so that when Alison Stedman comes in. She sees her standing next, sitting next to him, and then he does a sort of double take and doesn't realise she's there. And that's the only reason, because there's no other reason for her to be there. Uh, But anyway, as we say, various hijinks leave the she because she instigates the uh, the plot to steal the uh, the Porsche. So that's what I mean about her feeling that she's you know in it with them, and
0: she's quite happy. You almost, get the oh, imp- you almost get the impression she's done the sort of thing before,
2: dare I say it. I mean, that poor guy <laughs> who has his car, which is not his stolen. You reminded me a, bit of a,
0: a little bit of like a British Ned Beatty. You
2: know I mean? <laughs> <laughs> the poor, hapless guy <laughs> who has his suit taken and his job. He'll lose his job and he's lost all his money just to, for the purpose of getting Stimson to this bloody conference. But she's quite happy to do it. She doesn't have any compulsions about it.
1: What's the trouble? Go for a little walk. Go for a walk? In the woods. You? You want to go for a walk? Don't you want to come? What do you mean? What? No one around. Oh, this beats everything. Sorry about this, Father. Five minutes, that's all. Pick a few flowers. Come on, then. Him? Oh, no. You oh, want him to come? You want father there? Come on. The sun's out.
0: It's a funny old world, isn't it? They managed to nick his, this guy's suit. He's got the the monk's he's, robes on. Yeah. He's giving yeah. chase. He yeah. realizes what's happening. And uh. he's begging them. And you've got this this other guy who's t- <laughs> having a whiz behind a tree, <laughs> yeah. watching all this happening. It with mounting sort of astonishment. Yep. And then they dr- they manage to drive off, leaving this poor guy. And he goes sort of, he goes sort of marching over to this guy and he says, I knew it from the moment she stuck her thumb
2: up. right. He gives that sort of. (laughs) (laughs) They finally get to the now. In the meantime, (laughs) uh, we're setting up towards them because they get to the school, the Porsche school, where the conference is happening. (laughs) But before they get to it, because the last you see of them at this stage is driving away in the Porsche. But in the meantime, Alice Stedman and the old ladies have arrived at the conference yeah, uh, some coppers have arrived <laughs> uh, and then that, that, this is when for me this is when it gets starts to get really good really good because you have all these very stuffy headmasters <laughs> herding like cats these old ladies that keep wanting to go out to go to the toilet <laughs> and then more policemen arrive and then they quite happily are saying more for the Stimson party In- including Stim- um,
0: Nick Stringer who has he ever yeah. not played a police detective sergeant?
2: Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um,
0: <laughs> the thing, the, but, one of the most uh, obvious things, one of the most glaring things I noticed from this conference is it's just, it's it's uh, a, a hall full of middle-aged white men. There's no yeah. There's no other...
2: No, the, the, well, well they're, I suppose they're headmasters of public schools in England in the 80s. Well, isn't they going to be? True. And in fact, they're not even allowed women. No. Certainly not well in the sense that they're not allowed to bring their girlfriends or partners, which means obviously none of the actual heads of women. <laughs> yeah. So it's just all these old white dudes, with Be- but,
0: Benjamin Whitrow as the sort of the the chief organizer.
2: Yeah, the, but there's, there's Jeffrey Palmer, there's Peter Sellier, you know, there's loads of them. Yeah, they're great. They're just great. And but they seemed. But what's also very clever that friend does is he as as it progresses, they turn more and more into schoolboys. Where they where when so Stimson actually eventually arrives and is trying to do a speech, and he's got like the badge suit on with the one sleeve coming off, but he starts to address them like his assembly, you know, and like you, you know tell them to be quiet, yeah. and you all come and sit down and and they all begin to act like children where they're doing what they're told and they're standing and they're sitting down, and even when he gets taken out to get and he's getting arrested outside, they all rush to the windows like kids. It's just really nice,
0: yeah. That was that was nice. The one thing that spoiled it slightly for me, yeah, was this one guy doing like a Spitfire impression, Mm. you know. The one, yeah, he's
2: he's kind of, yeah, he jumps on the chair, he's overdoing that a bit, yeah. As an afterthought, I was looking at this thing, I was thinking, I recognize that school, the actual school Mm -hmm. where they were doing this, and then they. Credits at the end. They find that it's the King Edward School in Edgbaston, right? Which is famous alumni include uh, Enid Powell, okay, and JRR Tolkien,
0: okay, right? Because
2: it's, it's on the edges of uh, Birmingham, right? It's a very posh school. Yep, and when Tolkien was there, it was basically in the countryside. Uh, but after he got back from South Africa, that's where he went to school. Okay. So it is a properly posh school. Yeah. Uh, which is sort of apt, I suppose. They probably filmed it. Certainly during, during certainly the not not certainly not in Norwich.
0: No, they probably filmed during the school holidays or something there. Yeah. Oh,
2: presumably, yeah. And what I mean it's that's one of the things that's noticeable is that it's absolute the weather is absolutely beautiful. It's mm. amazing. Oh, absolutely gorgeous.
0: I've got the um I've got the just. Let me just find it. Uh, it here we go. Filming took place oh. in June and July, nineteen eighty-five, in Hull, Shropshire, and Birmingham.
2: I'm guessing the fields. All the fields were Shropshire. Mm. The school at the end is Birmingham, mm. and presumably the, the 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 comprehensive is Hull. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it felt locked about in yeah. the background somewhere. Um, we see a lot of
0: police. A lot of policemen in this.
2: Yeah, a lot of nice little panda cars.
0: Yeah, you got Richard Riding, that's his name, isn't it? Who's the yep. heavy set. He's now yeah. now probably best known as the voice of Daddy Pig on Peppa Pig.
2: Yeah, no, it's funny It's funny that because I, I was watching a clip the other day on YouTube. I, I watch a lot of YouTube. There's so much wonderful stuff. Mm. But anyway, a clip of the Graham Norton show popped up, which I don't really watch the Graham Norton show, but anyway, it popped up. Mm. And there was some lassie on it. I didn't recognise, but you know, they were saying oh your father's in the audience and it was him. And his daughter must be somebody. I don't recognise her. She must be I think she's a musician.
0: Right.
2: But the what I thought was really, what I thought was really a shame was uh, Graham not said, You're an actor, aren't you? Yeah, he said fucking you framed Roger Rabbit.
0: I mm.
2: have oh, a bit of respect. He's
0: been in so much stuff.
2: He's a great actor. Yeah. He's also a, one of my favourite TV adaptations, which is the uh, the early nineties one of uh, the uh, Tom Jones, you know, the Max Beasley one. Oh, okay. Uh, which is which he plays Braveheart? Uh, he
0: was he was very With good. Smalls. Was, Smalls, right? He was very good in a there was a, a dramatisation of the Yorkshire Ripper case. Yes, 15,
2: 20 years ago yeah and he yeah. played
0: it was kind of like George Oldfield's second in command
2: That's right, yeah no he's a he's a really good yeah. actor I just thought it was assumed they said, you're an actor you're an actor, aren't you <laughs> <laughs> oh, well uh, hang on yeah because the people
0: watching the Graham Norton show none of them would ever clue who he was
2: none no no i suppose I suppose
0: you know it's not pebble Mill at one
2: it's...
0: <laughs> <laughs> you've also got another another brief uh, bit with a with a, a policeman. And you've got you've got the the actor that I always refer to as Wrong Tom, um, <laughs> Leslie Schofield. <laughs> yeah, who yeah, um, Leslie who played um, uh, Tom in the third series of The Fall and Rise of Reginald Perrin? And yeah. was that a patch on um,
2: uh, what was his name? Tim Priest, oh. I think. Oh, I, I honestly can't remember. Yeah, in that weird return series of Reggie Perrin. Uh, uh, the, the,
0: the the legacy one, the, the legacy yeah. Of,
2: yeah I think Stephen Moore's in that I think in fact he was the only funny thing in it
0: I remember I uh, g-
2: don't remember very much about it
0: when I had Mike Fenton Stevens on the show yeah he had a re- he had a recurring role or he had a, he was one of the regular characters in the Gosh. legacy of Reginald Perrin and his catchphrase because obviously you had in the original series you had um, David Harris Jones and um, mm. What was the other one called, Tony? I, I just not remember. Great and super. Great and super. Yeah. Um, and, and in this <laughs> sequel,
2: yeah, you know, I you've
0: got Mike Fenton Stevens and his character goes something. Was it? It was either wicked or awesome. <laughs> which just it's makes very
2: me, it's very nineteen. It's makes, <laughs> <laughs> makes my rectum contract. Makes <laughs> <laughs> <should> all <always> twitch. <laughs> There's a few things we've missed, I have yeah. to say. The uh the Shell Garage. Now I can't say enough about the Shell Garage. <laughs> it was so awesome. Uh even in the background of the shot, I couldn't quite see the whole of it, but there was a, a, a promoted poster and it was something for Bruce's something. It must have been the promotion that Shell had on at the time. Right. With a text textbook cartoon, you know, with a Little Body Big Head. Yeah. <laughs> And it said, Brucey's something, something. And I thought, oh God, I'm desperately trying to see the rest of the poster. The hospital even looks unbearably quaint now mm. compared to today. Because it, it looks like, it, it's, that, it's that thing where so little seemed to change between sort of the 60s and the 80s in a lot of ways. You know, institutional places look the same. Church halls look the same. Schools look the same to a great extent. And then suddenly everything changed. Now it's comp- now it's like another. It really is like another. It's like a time war. Yeah, you know the, yeah. the hospital would would just be nothing like that now. Nice little buildings and little gardens, and there's no great parking. Probably, you know, car parks or anything. Nice little ambulance bays, <laughs> just <laughs> all <being> civilized. <laughs> Uh, and I know it's not reality, but I mean, it, it's not like they'd have dressed the whole hospital for him. And of course, somebody taking three old ladies away just for the day, which now would require, you know, disclosure checks. Yes. And, C- what are they, and, CBA? Uh, what do they
0: call it? CB, CBR?
2: Yeah, so, you know and, and, uh, you know, and all sorts of things. Well, Alan,
0: just on the Alison Steadman, we,
2: yeah.
0: we don't need to... Talk about how great she is because we know how great she is, but she's she's, she's not given
2: a lot to do, really, is she? In this, no, no, she's not really given very much. She's not really given very much to do. Uh, she doesn't get well, put it this way, she doesn't get to do any stigma business, she Mm. doesn't even give very many lines. So, it's, it's, I suppose she was at that point in her career where doing a film would have been another progression for her. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a so. good, little, good little step up, getting it films. Even if it's a film on a pretty, you know, pretty localised low scale like this, Is it's, you know, it's a step ahead. And and uh, it
0: was I'm guessing, cause I, I, uh, was Penelope Wilton filming um, Ever Decreasing Circles around this time?
2: 86, I would have expected yeah. so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, she would have been one of the sort of well-kept faces that uh, appeared in it. Which is why I suppose that character maybe got written to be a bit more than it was. Mm. uh, Than it it needed to be, you know. Because she's very good. I mean, she's, she's great in it. You know, because she's great, Padelpy Mel. Mm.
1: I haven't driven in this country for 20 years. Never mind, off you go. Married a dentist down under. Right. Just brought the kids over to stay with Mum. We were going to have lunch. Right, let's go. You've got time for lunch, haven't you? I bet you're starving. I've got one your age. Well, I later, have. Later rather. get the drive over first. All right. Once round the block, then, close your eyes and pray. On the left still, isn't it? Right. On the right? Left, left. Right. <laughs>
0: Recasting, who who would you, if Cleese wasn't oh. available, who would you see in this role?
2: Oh, me. There's a question. Uh, I tell you who was a great headmaster. I'm not sure who would work in this, but I tell you who was a great headmaster in a contemporary series, which is <laughs> much more realistic. Mrs. McCluskey. Was... No. <laughs> <laughs> no, Mrs. McCluskey would not have made any of these mistakes. <laughs> She would have gone to Norwich. In time to greet everybody, it would have been absolutely fine.
0: There is a Grange Hill connect, connection in this film. Did you notice it? Oh, God, no. What is it? Tell me. Um, There was a very, very brief scene at mm-hmm. the train station with Mark burdus he was a regular on Grange Hill.
2: All right, okay. Um,
0: I couldn't tell you the character's <laughs> name, but it's that bit when Simpson's at the station and he's talking to
2: uh oh, yeah, yeah, John Barden, yeah, the, and
0: he, then he, the, he suddenly stops mid sentence and barks out loud
2: <laughs>
0: the names of these two students who are obviously playing hooky.
2: Yeah, but the, other, the, 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 the girl group. the girl
0: is Nadia Sawala, by the way,
2: Jamala, yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. With and they've got like the full pump hair, yeah, the jaggy dog collars and things on, yeah. Sorry, but uh, yeah. but you, you,
0: you were saying a, a contemporary, who's <laughs> played a contemporary headmaster
2: for this. Uh, yeah, in uh, Adrian Mole, the headmaster was played by Freddie Jones. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he was sort of permanently exasperated. <laughs> and, you know, somebody who was just groping for retirement. <laughs> <laughs> and just, you know, and, and frustrated, you know, like Adrian, even Adrian Mole, who you know wasn't a problem. At, at school but was just a pain in the arse <laughs> and, uh, and he was
0: yeah
2: he was great he was a great headmaster and he was in it very little but uh he was very funny
0: maybe maybe if it had been made a few years earlier
2: yep maybe richard wilson oh richard wilson would have been great richard wilson would have been. no it wouldn't have had to have been made earlier for richard wilson mm. no probably uh, not. probably not he yeah. would have been he would have been perfect mm. Uh, funnily enough I was just uh watching back recently some Richard Welsh because uh, uh, for various reasons I won't go into I was trying to find a clip of Tutti Frutti oh yeah and I was talking about it with Craig and I was saying how you know the the, the, the breakout stars from uh, Tutti Frutti which is the same time I think 86 uh, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's about 86 okay uh, the, so the breakout stars from it were Emma Thompson, really. Robbie Coltrane was always had already been in films, but he wasn't that big a star. So Robbie Coltrane and, and Emma Thompson were the sort of that was uh, what sort of uh, skyrocketed their careers. Eighty seven it was. Oh wow. okay. Yep. Yeah, but okay. Uh, when,
0: when was <laughs> what year was Thompson?
2: Oh, well, it would have been just after that. Because they that, gave her a that,
0: I watched an episode of that a oh, few years ago. My God.
2: I watched, I, mean, I watched it every week when it was on. I'm never sure why. Like, I thought I was sort of expecting it eventually to be funny. <laughs> Bless her heart. And she was, you know, like at uh, the titles where she was doing sort of interpretive dance yep, yep, or something. Yep. Like, what the actual <laughs> fuck is going on with us? <laughs>
0: like, For geez. listeners who are unaware, Kelly <laughs> Thompson was rather surprisingly given her own show at, and she'd, oh. she'd barely, but she'd been in Tutti Frutti and an episode of yeah. the young ones and, and I suppose a few other things, but she was relatively unknown. Wasn't she, I suppose.
2: Oh yeah, no, absolutely. She really was. And, and it was, it was a sort of, sort of sketch show.
0: Yeah. But
2: I, had she I written
0: some of it as well when it was just didn't land? I think
2: I, it was, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking. <laughs> I, well, like I say, they did make her a star. Tutti frutti and Mista Star. Anyway, the point is, hmm. they were the sort of breakout stars. But what's often forgotten is that, certainly for all of us watching it, the real stars of it were Richard Wilson and Katie Murphy, as Eddie Clockarty Yeah and Miss Toner, <laughs> <as Eddie. laughs> and they were they were fantastic. And it, it that and it was that that sort of gave Richard Wilson's career. A boost, and I'm, I'm sure, is what got him to One Foot in the Grave.
0: Well, Hot Metal was the year after, I think.
2: Uh, yeah, but, I mean, he had been in lots of sitcoms. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he'd been in Only When I Laugh and things like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. In an episode of One Foot in the Grave, he's, yeah. he's having one of his uh, customary ranting phone calls with some <laughs> tradesman or other. Yeah, yeah. And he's, or he's trying to get through to some help desk, and he's talking about some something that's some delivery to the house or some installation to the house or something that's been delivered, which is totally wrong. And he's trying, and the person (laughs) on the other end says, um, can you remember the name of who it was that delivered it or Uh installed it? And he said, I think his name may have been Frank Spencer. right?" Um, (laughs) But of course, Richard Wilson had appeared in (laughs) in an episode of Some Mothers Do Have Him.
2: Oh, it's the same universe. The same universe. Yeah. But in a funny one, as opposed to some others do have Yes. <laughs> Which is just a, a fucking idiot falling down. Yeah. Uh, what well, course, One Foot in the Grave is one of those shows. It's a bit like, in a way, it's like, I don't suppose this comparison's ever been drawn. It's a bit like Casablanca. <laughs> you know, like, if you say to people, Casablanca's a great film, and they don't really believe you until they watch it, and Then they realise it's a great film. Yeah. And one foot of the grave, you say to people, was was just amazingly brilliant. It's just so brilliant, and they think that you're over overegging it until they watch it because it completely holds up. Anyway, the point of Richard Wilson would have been fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Richard Wilson, also one of his great lost characters, bringing me back again to Crown Court <laughs> <laughs> because uh, he had a recurring character in Crown Court. Where he was uh, a QC called, oh god, can't remember his name. He is phenomenally good in it. You know, for a programme that was on in the afternoons, mm. <laughs> Crown Court was incredible. I know this is a bit of a diversion, but I'm going to make my point. It's fantastic. And it's also was one of the one of the real joys of my life as it is now, if I stumble across an episode of Crown Court I haven't seen before. <laughs> It's like, it's like finding a nugget of gold anyway i well the see i
0: watched the the episode of um crown court or because it was there was a was it a three-parter R- well they've written, written by yeah. nf simpson the one where there's a um there's a oh, um uh, what's a hotel built on the edge of a cliff or something
2: yeah and the toilet, yeah. the
0: toilets are at the bottom of the cliff.
2: The toilets are at the bottom of the cliff, and they're being sued. Or something. It was crazy. So, yeah, well, that's what you get for hiring Dave Simpson? I suppose <laughs> they they did the odd uh, sort of silly one. They did a Christmas one called "My Trial," which was like, uh, which actually the prosecuting QC was Terence Harriman, who just died last year. This year, actually, right? Uh, you'd recognise him if you saw him. He was sort of most famous probably as he was the original Prior in Padfile. Sort of very thin faced actor, with sort of authoritative enemy, anyway. mm. but most of the time, can uh, Court dealt with all sorts of mad shit. But it was uh, anyway that he, Richard Wilson's recurring character, is one of the one of the real, real joys of it. He's just what a great actor he is. Still with us, I think, isn't he, Richard Wilson? Oh, Hudson? absolutely. Yeah. Oh, what a what a great actor. Yeah. But anyway <laughs> Can we can
0: we talk about the ending of this film? Because I was um... gonna
2: say we we get to the final act, which is where I think it really starts to take off.
0: Mm.
2: Uh you know, he has his you know, they're going to talk about something else because he hasn't arrived and he makes his big entrance. And as I say, the the you get the sense that the the all these headmasters are being reduced to uh the level of children because of the way he's addressing them. But this is what I see about the sort of power that, Simps- that Stimson has. Because as all the people who are coming in to confront him enter the room, enter the hall, mm. he talks down to them as pupils, and they all do exactly what he tells them. You know, find a seat, oh, there's somebody standing, and even Jeff Hutchins <laughs> is creaking his way down mm-hmm. to the front. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> He sits down and the three the three men next to him cross their legs. So, of course, he then goes to cross his leg, which is more creepy.
1: Come on, come on, let's get it over with. There's a seat down here, look. Long way to North was it? Long way to that seat, too. Make yourself comfortable, then get all the creaking over. No rush; you have got all the time in the world.
2: But that—that's the—that uh, those were the bits of the f- that, that made me laugh out loud towards the end of the film. Although it then sort of just sort of comes to finishes with a bit of a fart, where they sort of arrest him and take him away. Then there's a sort of very unnecessary orange. Band full of oranges gets knocked over, <laughs> and then they just drive away, and that's it.
0: And, and, and this speaks again to your theory that um, Stimson has this superpower, this bearing, yeah, because he can actually influence the, the police driver, yeah, left, right, no,
2: not, yeah. So you get the whole left, right thing comes again.
0: Uh, <laughs> now, Cleese hated the ending, or well, didn't hate yeah. It. Well,
2: it's, it's not a great ending, you know.
0: Um. And uh, yeah, so but Frayne was insistent. Uh, it's, it 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 leaves a lot of questions. Obviously, um, we don't know what happened. Well, to Pen- he, we don't know what happened to Pat, to Penelope Wilton. We don't know if they got the no, car back.
2: No, she just disappeared. The car was she disappeared with the car. Yeah, for some reason <laughs> that never happens. We don't know what happened with the guy with the Porsche. No, he, he's still wandering about in the woods and <laughs> they're dressed in a monk's habit. <laughs> He, Stimson's facing about 10 separate charges yeah. that range from driving away without paying for petrol to kidnapping.
0: Yeah, is it Grand, so, grand Theft Auto? So, is that what they call? Yeah. Car theft?
2: <laughs> and and, and, and he's,
0: he's taken, what, 100 and, how much was that? 340 quid or something in cash. Uh, well,
2: 1,320 pounds Jeez. or something, which is a, a phenomenal amount of money. Yeah. And also, that actually made me. It must made me also nostalgic for the money because yeah. it was back when, if you had a lot of tenors, Jesus, it really looked like a lot of money. Yep. Now it just looks like a book of vouchers. <laughs> uh, but uh, there's one last laugh that I got, which is uh, when they're going to take him away, John Hickson sits in the back of one of the police cars. <laughs> And they're trying to get her out. And she's just not leaving. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, back in the hall, Anne and Way is sitting singing to one uh, of the headmasters. <laughs> yeah. And the only song that gets a that gets a credit in the end, mm. I can't remember what it is—sort of old-fashioned song. But it yeah, it's just, it sort of just sort of descends into a, of a rabble at the end. So I could see why uh, Cleese wouldn't be that keen. because it. Especially for somebody like him, it doesn't have a punchline. Mm. You know, you, you kind of feel that what it needs is like a, a tag, like one last boom joke at the end. Which, to uh, be fair, uh,
0: Fish Called Wonder does have a. It's a silly punchline. Yeah, but it's a good. It's quite a nice little rounding off bit where you've got uh, Archie and whatever, oh, Wanda, <laughs> on the plane. And yeah. um, and uh, and Otto's just been run over in fresh concrete by yeah. a steamroller, and he's he's on the wing, like uh, that episode. Yeah, the, um, the Twilight yeah. Zone. episode. Don't call me stupid. <laughs> yeah, and then the plane takes off, and you, asshole. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Which I think it suited that. I think, but this this is much more ambiguous.
2: Yeah, it just it just seems to do, it sort of. I don't know whether it's is sort of like a, maybe an a, a stage play it would finish with all lots of crosstalk and shouting and this and the curtain would come down. Uh, maybe that's maybe that's something to do with Michael Frayne plays rather than films. I don't know. Yeah. I not a screenwriter. But it, it does feel like it should have a payoff line. You know, like, like it should finish with him shouting nine twenty at something. <laughs> But uh, but it, kind of, it just kind of doesn't and the 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 payoff is as you say as I guess is supposed to be the, the bit in the, the police car left no right left right I right right left right but it's quite weak yeah but anyway that's the film I mean it's quite a char- I think it's quite a charming little film it's certainly no to it it's not egregious it doesn't annoy you yeah no uh, I, I, I
0: I've and it may be again it's because I saw it when I was young and it was one of those handful of videos that were available to rent from the local video rental outlet. So I watched it, rented it again and again. And it's, you know, Uh, but I still think it's, I still think it, you know, it is dated, but still what film isn't from the eighties, but it's. Well, no,
2: but it's, it's, it's dated in a sort of a, I think one of its strengths is that it's dated in a kind of, again, like a kind of charming way. Because it has those things that I like, for me personally, which I like, which is, you know, I sort, of, I like any film that shows uh, what life was like at that point in time, and, you know, and, and the glimpses of the, even how quiet the motorway is, yeah. <laughs> compared to now, yeah. you know, and I'm, you know, I'm sure they filmed it at five o'clock on the Sunday morning or something, but uh, you know, and the sensibilities of just the, the and it's very good natured, you know, and, and even though he's getting, Stimson's getting taken away by the police for multiple crimes <laughs> at the end, at least when there his motivation was a good one, you know, it was to get yeah. to the conference to represent the school. Yes. And okay, it was, might have been a bit more about himself than the school, but, but it was, that's what he was doing. Yeah.
0: 'Cause there's there's one line in this film that's lived on uh, yeah.
2: that people still
0: quote to this day. In fact I heard it quoted on what I was listening to a podcast the other day, I think it was the word podcast with David Hepworth and Martin. Uh-huh. Is the bit where Stimson is given up, he's lying in the ditch, dressed in the robes. Oh yeah. And he's talking to Laura and he says it's not the despair. I can stand the, I can stand the despair. It's, it's the, the hope.
2: hope. <laughs> 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 but uh, yeah it was uh, it was an enjoyable it was an enjoyable watch uh I know that I mean I can't imagine I would rush to watch it again very soon yeah well it has a it has a, a benefit I think of uh, well I mean in some ways it's a, a drawback that it's it's not encountered as really as you know when people talk about comedy films of the 80s you very rarely see it Included. But you don't know, even think, you know, it, it, well, put it this way. There were a limited number of films being made in British 80s anyway. But the and the, but the ones that re- they achieved uh, more success were the ones that got wider distribution, which are really the handmade films. Yeah, yeah. Because they had they had a better setup yeah for, for distributing films. So they get much more recognition. Uh you know, I mean, Nuns in the Run, oh, for example, <laughs> yeah. uh, which which you know was phenomenally successful. Yes, uh, and for and actually for when it was shown on, I think when it was shown on Channel Four for for a, like for decades, it was the biggest audience they'd ever had. Really? Which was like on a Sunday night for or Nuns something. The I run? think. It, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was a huge audience, and and I. And it's sort of again, none's have done some right. It's got some nice moments, but it's no million. I mean, I'm okay. okay. Mm.
0: Oh, that's reminded me as well. You reminded me. So the um, the UK TV premiere of Clockwise. Oh yeah, BBC One, mm. Christmas Day, 1989. Wow. Um, BBC One missed a trick here because it was it was shown at 10:20. They should have shown it at
2: 9:20. Yeah. I <laughs> 10, 20 in the evening. God, I'm surprised I didn't. Maybe I did watch it. Yeah. I'm surprised I wouldn't have I, I, 1989, Christmas 1989. Yeah. I, I, I think Party Games was on that night. Was that 1990? What's Party Games? Uh, the Yes Minister Christmas oh, special. Oh, right, okay. Where it becomes Prime Minister. Because was, it was either 1989 or 1990. It must have been 1990. It was Party Games then, Vault of Horror was on.
0: Oh, Vultimore! Uh, right,
2: yeah. When, when they used to show, uh, you know, like Christmas Day, they show a, a more adult film, like sort of later at night. Yeah, yeah. But Clockwise is a funny one to put on at that time. It's a bit late, is usually... isn't it?
0: Yeah, because because the well, other thing about it, it, there's nothing, there's nothing that's going to upset grandma in this film, is there really?
2: No, yeah. no, not at all. But uh, usually that slot, that Christmas film slot, is usually for, like, you know, it's kids that are away to bed, mm. uh, everything's done. People are slumped, knackered, yeah. <laughs> and the, these—you know—there's a film on, it. but it's usually a wee bit more adult, eh, like a, a thriller or a, something like that.
0: Oh, um, this was originally going to be called "Man of the Moment," but then someone pointed out that there was a Norman Wisdom film of the same name.
2: Uh it's the man of the moment, the man of today. Have Just you, have you seen that Beverly then? Sisters. Oh, I've oh yeah, yeah. Well, you used to see all those films, all those Norman Wisdom films on, and like the summer holidays, and in fact, in the eighties, they, they used to show for I was sort of late, mid to late eighties, there would be like a Norman Wisdom or, or a George Formby film or something on, and, like a Friday tea time on BBC Two. Mm-hmm. That was back when they thought that's what kids wanted to see because they were silly. Nobody wanted to see them actually. <laughs>
0: well, I've never seen a Norman Wisdom film in my life.
2: I don't worry about it. No. <laughs> <laughs> don't lose any... Don't lose any
1: <laughs> It's not the despair, Laura. I can stand the despair. It's the hope.
2: <sighs> I, t- I tell you what really dates the film. Hmm. It's something... It, it, it's the... Uh, hanging the premise... Hanging the plot... On... That sort of uh, a combination of misunderstanding and coincidence, which is a very sitcom premise. Yeah, the use of uh, the use of coincidence in popular comedy. Yeah, which is which again is you know there are various you know like sitcom tropes that used to exist. Yeah. some it's anything to do with the insurance man coming, mm. Mm. Uh, you know. Somebody thinking that somebody's homosexual, but they're really not. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, somebody believing that somebody is somebody's daughter and/or girlfriend and/or mother, but they're actually yeah. not. You know that sort of thing. Yeah, and
0: because or or, or somebody's we, having an affair.
2: Somebody's having an affair, but they're really not having yeah, yeah. an affair. Or they are having an affair, but they don't think they're having an affair. Yeah. Anything to do with the, so many, of them. yeah, <laughs> and so many comedies, you know, uh, would just tick the boxes, and it just provides a backbone for the for the uh, for the for the merriment. Yeah, but they, they don't really exist anymore. You sitcoms barely exist anymore. No, nah. nah. uh, you know, and, and when you think, I can't. I really can't think of a single sitcom that's running at the moment here.
0: Not going out. You. Is that still going?
2: That's... Is that still on? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> so it should be called "Still Going Out." Yeah. Uh, but you know, like it, when when you think that there used to be three or four a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just something that's kind of gone. So anyway, those those devices. Are, are just don't exist anymore, and therefore the audience don't re- really recognise them, they, they, they feel like contrivances mm. uh, and I think that's what really dates the film, because as you say, you know alright, if you had a mobile you could sort it, but people will forgive that I mean, almost anything made before 1999 you could sort with any film or, mm-hmm. you know Murder on mm-hmm. the Orient Express could have been sorted by a mobile hmm but the, I think audiences forgive that. Because, you know, you're looking back. Yeah. So what really dates it, I think, is just the premise. Mm. Maybe that's why it hasn't lived on in the same way that other films of the period
0: no.
2: have managed to live on. And in fact, even even other Michael Frayn stuff, like Noises Off or whatever, have have lasted longer. Yeah, or you know, I don't know, maybe because they just are, are, have a bit less of a, a, a an anchoring in a period. Yeah, and Mike, as you said, mentioned before, it's like you don't, you know, Michael Fried's a great writer. Uh, have, so you there's read, no reproach. have you
0: read Headlong? His novel Headlong. From
2: no, I have not.
0: About ten years? No, what I'm saying, twenty years ago. It's yeah. um, it's to do with um, a, a, an art collector who's trying to get his hands on an original original Bruegel painting and um, right. shenanigans occur <laughs> and it's very very good <laughs> that's all I'll say
2: um, but, 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 but I mean I tell you what it does it does have. Hmm. I tell you what's really going for it in my eyes hmm it's a Michael Frayne script as you say we have set up situation shenanigans Great. Brilliant. Whatever whatever drawbacks this film has, it's got hijinks and shenanigans, doesn't do anybody any harm, and it finishes and it's fine. <laughs> it, on the other hand, you could have Mike Lee <laughs> in that period. And Mike <laughs> Lee's canon, although with the exception of things like Topsy Turvy, which are superb, are, this is a Mike Lee film, or a screenplay. Comedy, 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 death. And it doesn't, it doesn't do that to you. No. <laughs> what, I just can't be doing with that. What about Ken
0: Loach's Clockwise?
2: Oh, he could just fuck off. <laughs> I don't even want to get any of that. <laughs> Ken Loach's Clockwise would never have left the school. they have been too busy trying to... he had been fixated, first of all, on the relationship between Laura and... The Mr. Teacher. yeah, And then you'd have you know, gone back to the house there'd be cat shit on the floor and, <laughs> and people starving and then gangsters would appear but some worthy working class people would see them off and then somebody would buy a communion dress and then drive through a window and they'd just get, <laughs> just, just piss off. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I just, whatever, <laughs> just whatever. <laughs> All
0: right, well, we've we've managed to find a lot to talk about a film which which is yeah there wasn't not a huge amount to talk about this film but we managed to find <laughs> a lot to talk about so yeah chris <laughs> thanks th- thanks again and um i look forward to speaking yeah. to you next year
2: and all the best for the festive season and a happy new year now happy new year to all of the good pods
0: absolutely happy new year well actually there is going to be a special show on new year's eve which I, which I was going to keep as a surprise but i may as well just tell you now uh, it's um listeners top 20 peter sellers films mm. uh, in which myself and a couple of uh, guests including mark cousins
2: talk, <laughs> not, that, mark not cousins. that one
0: not the one that yep. you don't like no um talk about uh, uh the top 20 peter sellers films as voted for by goon pod listeners and it's Fantastic. already in the can and uh and uh, so look out for that on sunday God bless us, everyone. Yes.